the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. And these words, standard of living and quality of life, those are common phrases used in political and economic and social discussions. But when talking about quality of life, there's a hollowness to the discussion if it doesn't center on relationships. What can we do to rethink our approach to relationships that will have lasting impact on our lives? The series is called One Life, Make Yours Count, and the message today is about rethinking your relationships. It's time for Real Life Radio. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. They might have life and have it to the fullest. That's where we started this. Such a powerful understanding. Life to the fullest. That's been the premise of this entire series. We have been given one life, every one of us, and our calling is to make it count. When Jesus said life to the fullest, he was talking about life beyond what is the normal. It's life that is more, exceptional, even extravagant. That's what that word means, and that's what his call is. We have to understand this life is a gift. It is a sacred trust, and the key to it is found in him. Now, remember, we've had this passage of Scripture we've looked at each week, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Listen to what it says. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And that's a key to understanding this one life, connecting with what God's desire is, because he created us for something amazing. That's what Jesus said. So we've looked at how to hear God's voice. Well, how do we know what his will is? Well, we listen. And we talked in one of our sessions on how to hear God's voice. You can find that session at reallife.org. Check it out. We talked about not let, letting this idea of making a living get in the way of making a life. That so many times we organize our whole life around our jobs, money, survival, and in the process we miss the deeper, the richer, the real things that God intended for us to enjoy. Remember last week we talked about joining God and what he's doing beyond the circle. We all live in circles, but we saw that when we step outside those circles, God's doing some amazing things, and there is incredible blessing in being a part of that, a life of mission. Many of you experienced just a taste of that yesterday. And I hope that did something, recognizing, man, if God can use me in these places where, boy, there's people different from me, different places in life, different struggles, if he can use me there, what can he do if I'll be willing to walk across the street or walk across the room in my own situations? Now, all of us, or at least most of us, I think, are going to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. I hope you have an awesome Thanksgiving. I hope you get together with family and friends. I think this is, one of, this is still, in my opinion, one of the few holidays that are truly spiritual at its core because, honestly, I feel bad for atheists on Thanksgiving because they kind of want to give thanks. Who do they give thanks to? They give thanks to themselves? 
I mean, think about it. There's something in us that wants to give thanks because we understand we're not just this biological accident. There's something bigger going on. And Thanksgiving is that time where we pause and we reflect. And I want to tell you, one of the great signs, I think, of growing spiritual maturity is a heart and a spirit of gratitude. And so I love this holiday, this celebration. In fact, this last few weeks ago at our elders meeting, we have a monthly elders meeting where we get together and we always have a devotion. Uh, Jonathan Schleter led our devotion. And he did a, a, just a neat kind of talk about giving thanks and being grateful. But then he gave us all a sheet of paper and it just had 20 lines on it. And he said, I just want us to take a few moments and I want us just to write down some things that we want to give thanks for before the Lord. And so we did that. And I have to tell you, I don't think anybody had a hard time finding 20 things real quickly in a very short amount of time that we're thankful for. And as I reflect back on my list and probably on most of the others there in that circle, 90% of the things I wrote down were relationships. They were people. People who God's blessed me with, who are part of my life. People who I'm so grateful for. Relationships. Some were specific names, others were groups of people. This congregation, church staff, my, my coworkers, friends I get to work with, family members, obviously. I mean, it, it was just, as I looked at it, I thought, how many of these things that we're thankful for are relationships? What would your list look like? What percentage do you think, if you really got down to giving thanks, what would your list look like? How many of those things that you put on the list would be relational? I mean, sure, I, I had my job on there, I had my house. I'm grateful for those things, my home, that's wonderful. But the vast majority of things were relational. And think about it, if our house were burning down, the first thing we get out is the people, and the next thing we get out were the pictures of the people. That's how important relationships are. And yet, I think we get messed up sometimes because we live in a culture that is pressuring us to put relationships kind of on the back burner, to make relationships expendable, to make these, to bring other things up to the forefront and let us, whenever these things kind of get, or relationships get in the way of these things, then we push the relationships to the side instead of the other way around. And there's all kinds of things. It can be money, it can be stuff, it can be anything. I had a chance to watch a conversation on social media uh, this last week that I found kind of interesting. I knew some of the people, others I didn't, but I was pretty sure most of them were believers. And it was over this issue of Syrian refugees. It got political, talking about Syrian refugees. And, you know, there was news that certain governors won't allow Syrian refugees into their state. And so there was a lot of conversation back and forth. Well, the the value of protecting our people versus showing kindness and compassion. And, you know, it was was this back and forth that kind of happened. And one side of this argument kind of started to, and started to bring in the kind of spiritual, well, Jesus would have us open our borders and bring those refugees in. He would have us do that because that's what compassion looks like. And they started to get a little bit derogatory towards any Christian who doesn't feel that way. And kind of use some derogatory language. There's a little bit of name calling. and started, You know how those things kind of digress. And I was a spectator, had popcorn. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad he's posting again. He's good. He's spicy. <laughs> it's like the arena, the Colosseum, you know? And so, and so I'm observing this is what Jesus would do, and there was this kind of righteous thing of anybody who doesn't believe that. And it's funny because as I looked at that and the name calling was going on, because I know, knew a number of these on both sides of this were believers, one thing I know for sure, 
We don't know what Jesus would do if he were a government official tasked with leading in a governmental civic role. We don't know what he would do about the best way to help refugees from Syria. Because in the Gospels, we're not told that. Because Jesus wasn't in that capacity. I will tell you, we are told in Romans 13 that government has a different role. It says that government is given a sword for the purpose of protecting people, of dealing with lawbreakers. Individually, we're not. Jesus said, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword, right? So as individuals, we don't have that right. But government not only has that right, it has that responsibility. It's one of the goals, primary goals of government to protect its citizens from evildoers. Because there will, as long as there's sin, there will be people who want to hurt other people by breaking the law. And so government has that role. And it's biblically supported and mandated. So the fact is, we don't know if Jesus were a governor, if he would think the best way I can support those refugees is by immigrating them to America. He might say, no, there's other ways to help those refugees. Or he might. We don't know, because the Scripture doesn't tell us. But one thing the Scripture does tell us, crystal clear, Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, that you love one another. He, he didn't stutter on that. In fact, he even said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he said, if you call a brother a fool, so this name calling that was going on, he says, if you even call a brother a fool, he says, you're guilty of hell's fire. I know Jesus wouldn't rip on other brothers the way that it was happening on this deal. Jesus wouldn't do that. We know that for sure because he was crystal clear on that. We don't know how he would answer the dicey political issue of the best way to support and help and show compassion on Syrian refugees. But we do know he wouldn't have us ripping on one another. When you see believers ripping on other believers, now you know you're way outside of where Jesus would be. Focus on that a little bit before you start going on stuff that we're speculating. And it's just a, a powerful example of how messed up we get in the context. Something This is a political thing that none of them really can do anything about, but they're willing to trash other believers over something that they aren't really directly involved in doing anything about anyway. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 133. This is one of the songs of ascent. Just listen to the language and almost the mood of the language, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. That's thinking back to in Leviticus when they dedicated the tabernacle. It was a sacred moment, and God's presence was going to be there, and Aaron was anointed as the high priest. It was a sacred moment. God's saying when, when God's people dwell together in unity, it's like a sacred moment. It's a sacred thing. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Where does he bestow his blessing? On, on Zion? Or is he talking about on unified relationships? Because Hermon and Zion and even Aaron's beard, the anointing of Aaron, they're all metaphorical for when brothers walk together in unity, when sisters walk together in unity. That's where God bestows his blessing, even life evermore. There is something about relationships. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you abundant life, real life. 
I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message, Rethink Relationships. This is Real Life Radio. Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? What do you say? Love God with everything you got, heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And the second, you know, the second one is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. What we draw from that is the most important things in this life, the most important things in the Christian experience are relationships. First with God, then with one another. Everything else pales in comparison. There's a lot of important things, but the most important thing is relationship. That's the way God designed it. That's the way he wanted it. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I believe the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. As we're talking about living this one life, I think one of the most important things we're going to say in this whole series is this. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. And we sometimes think, well, you know, if I get that job, man, if I get that job that I'm looking for, then the quality of my life will be there because all my dreams will come true and I'll have that. If I get that job, I have to say to you, if you the quality of your relationships aren't together. If you don't have relationships that are loving, strong, and life-giving to share that with, that job won't matter. It won't matter. It really won't. It'll just get old. It'll just become a drudgery and a chore. Some think, well, if I had this income, if I could earn at this level, then I would be able to do the things I want to do. I'd be empowered. I'd be free. That would do it. Then I would be living this one life that God has for me. I just want to say, if you don't have any relationships that are meaningful to share that with, what difference does it make? It won't. Higher levels of income won't matter. Yeah, but if I could have that home, man, just a bigger home, and oh, I love that, that neighborhood, I love that place. If I, we could live there, then it would matter. Who cares where you live if it's not filled with people who you love? And if your relationships aren't in order, house just becomes more to maintain. Experiences, travel, exciting things that you go, hey, this would be great. They, they just will lose their meaning if you don't have someone to share them with. If there's not something, because that's the way we're wired. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. And yet that's what, something we just blow by. And we live in a day where increasingly we're making relationships expendable. And I just want to say, as we're seeking the one life that God created us for, abundant life, real life, if we blow past relationships... We're going to forever be spinning our wheels and missing what God has for us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 2. Why don't you turn in your Bibles there? Philippians chapter 2. He wrote about relationships. Beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So if you have any of these things, listen to, listen to those things. Those are powerful things. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. Wait a minute. 
Encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, common sharing in the spirit, tenderness, compassion. That's not enough? Paul, that's big stuff. That doesn't make your joy complete? He's like, no, because that's not, that's not all. Jesus redeemed us so we could have a relationship with God. That's the most important thing. But he also created us and designed us so that we could have a relationship with one another. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's saying in your relationships, now he's bringing this work of Christ into the relational arena. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's what Jesus did. And he says, in the context of your relationship, that's the role model. Because the truth is, the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your relationships. Now, I think we'd all recognize the truth of this. Much of our lives will be defined by the people we associate with, right? Have you experienced that? Much of your life actually becomes defined by the people you associate with. It's so significant, so influencing, it can come to define us. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I want to suggest to you what he's saying is family is there for you in times of adversity because that's what family does. I mean, there are some families that are so broken that they don't walk in that. But in times of adversity, when kind of the chips are down and you got to go depend on someone, most often it's going to be family. That's just kind of how it works. They're there because they're your family. They have the common history. They have that common kind of bond of family. But understand, there's different from a friend. Your family may not actually like you. I mean, they may not want to hang around with you. I hate to tell you that. Is it? Am I being harsh here? I mean, they may not. Family has to love because we're family. That's what we do. But friends are different. That's why he says a friend loves at all times. Because friends, friendship's unique. Friendships, we choose, don't we? We choose them. And how you choose makes all the difference. So significant. How we choose in these friendships makes all the difference. I want us to look at this idea of life-giving relationships. Because there are some relationships, when you choose these friendships wisely, they will be life-giving. Versus, and we all know these exist, life-sucking relationships, right? Ever had life-sucking relationships? Yeah. (laughs) You're laughing because you have. Don't get me wrong, those people are still important to God. Those are people we still have to show kindness and compassion to. But you know a life-sucking relationship when you see it. It's just one of those relationships where you kind of, when you kind of walk, kind of walk up, and it's like you want to do the die thing again. Like, oh God, I'm dead. Don't talk to me. I'm unconscious. No, because it, it seems like there's always it's a one way thing. It's a taking. It's a taking. It's a taking. And I'm not saying you get to we get to remove all those people from our lives completely. I'm not. I don't say that at all. I'm just saying you better know the difference between the life giving and the life sucking relationships. 
And you better have plenty of life-giving relationships. Otherwise, you'll never experience the one life that Jesus designed you for. Life-giving relationships. This morning, I want to real quickly go over five qualities of life-giving relationships. Number one, life-giving relationships model mutual submission. Model mutual submission. That's Paul's overarching theme here. Mutual submission to something bigger than ourselves. Amos 3.3 says, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? I could have used the word life-giving relationships model mutual uh, commitment, and that's significant. But I like the word submission, because submission is something I kind of have to do just within me. When I submit to something, I am saying to myself, I'm in. I'm committed, and I am submitted. It's not just me anymore. I'm submitted to this relationship now. I've given myself this relationship. I'm connected with this other person. I'm submitted to this relationship. I don't get to be a free agent anymore. It's a powerful expression. We understand that like the, in, human, in terms of human relationships, the best example, that's marriage. The marriage example, we, we're submitted to that relationship. I'm not a free agent anymore. I'm now submitted in the relationship with my marriage partner. I can't just come and go. I can't just run. Stand before family and friends and we say I do. And that's the nature of that submitted relationship. But in other life-giving relationships, there's this idea of being submitted into the context of relationship. As a pastor of a church, I see people all the time who have no concept of this. And so what they do is they come into the context of a church. Let me tell you something. For the first three, four weeks, oh, we're the best church ever. We are. I'm the best pastor ever for the first three, four weeks. I'm really good for four. Once that goes to by, though, then all of a sudden I say something stupid that bothers you. You get, really, did you have to amen on that? I've been talking for 10 minutes, not one amen. That's what I get an amen on, really? Oh, now you're preaching, Sean, getting down to the good stuff. Mm. Talk about it. Say something stupid. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I say something you don't like, your, com- your community group leader does something you don't like. The band plays songs you don't like. The person helping serving donuts doesn't treat you in the way you think you should be treated. And all of a sudden you're like, I am out of here. I am going to a church full of perfect people just like me. Really, and then you go on to the next, and then the next, and then the next. You know, I've told you about that, right? The perfect church thing. Don't look for a perfect church. If you ever find it, don't go there because you'll screw it up, right? Okay? That's my gift to you. That's free. But really, it's this, I've seen it happen in people's lives. They, they, they go and this kind of, as soon as someone kind of does something I don't like, says something I don't like, I'm up and I'm out of here. And by, by the way, that's the way we've been conditioned and socialized when it comes to relationships. As soon as something happens I don't like, I'm up and I'm out. And what the Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking, no, 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 no. He's talking about submitting to the relationship so that actually when those things begin to happen, when someone says or does something that ruffles your feathers, or you say or do something to ruffle someone's feather. do you understand? That's when the good stuff starts. Because that's when I begin to learn. That's when I begin to confront the issues of my flesh, my carnal nature. When somebody else rubs me wrong, somebody else brings something to me that I don't like, and the only thing that makes me stay is the fact that I'm submitted to this relationship. I'm committed. And I don't care if that's your marriage, 
I don't care if that's your best friend. This idea of I am submitted to this relationship, so it's not just about me anymore. I'm in. I can't run because I've submitted myself to God and I've submitted myself in the context of this relationship. Life-giving relationships model mutual submission. It starts there. That's the foundation. If you don't have that, you're never going to get to enjoy life-giving relationships. You'll always be hopping from place to place to place, looking for someone who never ruffles your feathers. And folks, you go, when you start going deep in relationships, that's what happens because people become who they are. And we're all just people. Second, quality of life-giving relationships. Life-giving relationships require unity of spirit and mind. That's what Paul said. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. At some point, there has to be a relational bond, a connection that says we're going the same direction. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next week we'll wrap up this series called One Life, Make Yours Count, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park for service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.